0: Welcome to Freightways Live at Home. I'm Craig Fuller here on Fuller Speed Ahead. It's a show that we have on a recurring basis. You can tune in every single day to watch Fuller Speed Ahead. You can also watch the Fuller Speed Ahead conversations on demand. Each day I dive into a one on one conversation with a founder, an executive, somebody doing something really interesting in the trucking space. And today I have Sean Kerrigan, the COO and co founder of plus a autonomous vehicle company that thinks that they've developed a solution that will change the trucking market sean how are you today
1: great thanks for having me here
0: well i'm really excited to to be here i want to get into a a lot of conversations around autonomous there's been a ton of uh, hype around the technology uh, but very little in the commercial trucking space has actually been commercial we've seen uh, some uh, pilot uh, moves, we've seen some uh, uh, you know, single load operations or some cross-country moves, but we've never seen really anything commercial that could be uh, this really uh, thought of as autonomous. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, PLUS and, and what you guys are doing uh, in terms of the autonomous industry?
1: Yeah, definitely. So we started back in 2016 focused on applying autonomous technology to the commercial freight market. Uh, we think this there holds tremendous potential in this space to to improve safety, uh, reduce costs, uh, reduce CO2 emissions, and just drive overall economic efficiency. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, a lot of your viewers know and everybody out there, I think, across the country has seen this year just how critical freight is to our overall, our overall country, right? This is, everything we, we see and use every day is, is brought to us on a truck. Um, and so we thought this was a market where autonomous technology could be applied to make a big difference. Uh, and so with that in mind, we've assembled a team of, of you know, uh, uh, automotive safety experts and artificial intelligence experts and really experts across all the different domains uh, to put together uh, uh, products that the focus on, on bringing autonomy into the Class 8 trucking market.
0: So when we, we hear a lot about autonomy, it's a very polarizing conversation, particularly for folks in the trucking industry, there are uh, trucking uh, company executives that are optimistic about the technology, but still cynical about the rollout schedule. Uh, others, that particularly truck drivers, are very cynical, but for different reasons because they're worried about their jobs. Can you talk a little bit about why you guys are optimistic uh, about the sort of near-term delivery of of these vehicles?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I think. We, as I said, I think this technology is going to bring tremendous value in terms of improving safety and, and uh, like reducing costs and reducing CO2 emissions. And so the way we've thought about this is, is that um, you know, getting to full level four autonomy is a, is, a, is a long-term problem. And so we've broken that down into really two steps. Right? So, so phase one overall, overall plan is actually to, to bring this type of technology to bear in a driver assist type mode. We think that applying this type of advanced autonomy technology into vehicles with drivers today is something where you can improve safety, improve fuel efficiency, and actually improve the overall comfort and sort of driving experience for the driver. Uh, And so that's what we focused on for phase one of our plan. Uh, And we've been working with with top fleets and OEMs and tier ones to to bring that to bear. Uh, And so the first product that we're actually launching is, is just that, right? So there's a product Uh, that we'll be launching in China next year, right? So while we're a California-based company, we've taken a global perspective to the rollout of this technology. And so we've partnered there uh, with FAW, who's the the largest truck OEM in China, and actually by volume, the largest producer of heavy trucks in the world. They produce over a quarter million trucks a year. Uh, And so next year, one of the trucks uh, that they'll be putting out will come with our technology in it uh, as a driver assist type functionality. So that's sort of part one of our plan is, is to bring this technology out there and demonstrate what it can do and really prove out the, the safety and efficiency while delivering value to, to drivers. Uh, and then the, the longer-term plan is, is then phase two of that is once you've really proven out the efficiency and safety of the system, taking it, take a look at, at very uh, controlled ODDs or sort of operating domains where the technology is robust enough that it can operate without a driver for within, those, within that environment.
0: And what's the time frame between uh, driver assist and truly mm-hmm. from a technology standpoint only because there's a, a whole sorts of regulatory uh, elements and uh, liability elements that are still work, working themselves through and maybe a while before you have resolution. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. But in terms of technology only, when will we be able to see a level five, a truly driverless vehicle uh, be able to go on our nation's highways?
1: So uh, so in terms of the, the driver assist one, we'll have that product in market next year. In terms of then the timeline to get to full level four, so, so that's driverless within some sort of constrained environments, um, we think it will probably be around 2024. So that's a function of a lot of different factors, right? So it's a function of when is our software and technology ready? It's a function of when, when are sort of the OEMs ready and the tier one components you need ready, the regulatory pieces ready and so on. so there's a lot of different things that need to line up for that to happen Um, but i think that the types of time frames that we're seeing is is probably around around there that we'll start to see some some initial operation in level four
0: now that's just a couple years out uh i mean it's amazing when we think about uh how you know that's just around the corner in terms of uh, technology evolution it's it's actually something that could happen Uh, you know, in just a couple of years. Is your expectation that when we see true autonomous, that they're uh, level four autonomous, that the driver is still in the vehicle for a period of time? Is there a transition period?
1: Well, so we see that the the transition period is part of our, our rollout, right, in terms of starting with driver assist technologies. It's really kind of in many ways, this, the same technology that you need in terms of the ability to perceive and operate with the environment around it. Uh, and so we see that as sort of a, a continuous development and refinement, right? So when you think about the types of problems you have to solve to, to deploy a, a fully driverless vehicle, a level four type vehicle, um, there's a, there's a few different things, right? So you need to make sure that you've actually designed a system that's safe and robust enough to handle all the conditions it might see. Uh, and then you also have to be able to prove uh, that that it is safe enough to do that. Uh, and so to to do both of those, we think it's really important um, that the technology is out there and it has sort of you know really substantial miles under its belt, if you will, in terms of uh, proving that it actually works and demonstrating that that it's able to handle those conditions. And by that, I we think on the order of billions of miles, right? This is something that that, that is not like a a, a small, Small effort, right? There's there needs to be really substantial volume there, and so we think that uh, this is going to be a continuous thing as you work your way to that.
0: So, Sean, when you think about plus, there's a lot of folks out there in mm-hmm. the autonomous uh, community developing technology. There mm-hmm. have been a number of models that have uh, have been developed. Uh, some of those have already. Uh, uh, have those companies have already shut down some of them continue to, to raise lots of capital a lot of interest in this space at, at valuations that uh, really reflect the level of interest in it uh, talk a little bit about Plus's business model specifically and where you guys are different than perhaps other competitors that that may not have as much opportunity for success
1: yeah, so I think uh, there there's, sort of, there's differences in terms of core business model and then technology approach. So in terms of, of business model, um, we're looking to partner with, with large OEMs and tier ones and fleets to bring products to market uh, that they can deploy within the context of their existing businesses. So we're not looking to build our own operational fleet, right? We're a technology enabler uh, that's bringing this type of technology to market and products that then fleets will be able to operate and that OEMs can can put into their trucks and and be able to sell to their customers. So that's a a difference in terms of our our focus as a business model. Now, in terms of of technology uh, approach, I think there are are a couple of things I mentioned earlier, right? which is that we think there's two key problems that everybody needs to solve in this space. So first is you have to build a technology that is really robust and safe uh, and that can operate in all different things that happen out there in the real world, right? Uh, And then second, you need to be able to demonstrate that it actually can do that, right? You need to be able to demonstrate that it's really safe. And so both of those are are hard problems. And I think one of the things that distinguishes us is our view that that the best way to solve both of those problems is through uh, doing extensive road testing and extensive miles driving. Um, And by extensive, again, I don't mean small numbers. I mean, on the order of, of billions, right? This is a lot of miles. Uh, and so the reason for that is, is on the technology side, you know, we do a lot of offline simulation and testing, and that's a big part of what we spend time on. Um, but nonetheless, there are some core components to these types of systems that are based on sort of deep learning or AI-type techniques, particularly in the perception space. Uh, and so what that means is that that those things need a lot of data to be able to generalize well, right? And so by generalize, it's something that as humans do really well, right? Uh, if someone learns to drive a truck, they can then, um, you know, we expect that, that they can handle all the, the things that happen out there on the road. But that's not really true for computers and software, right? If they haven't seen the situation before, it wouldn't know what to do. It wouldn't necessarily know what those things are. And there's all sorts of crazy things that can happen out there on the road. I mean, I think it was just recently, there was a guy riding a horse down, uh, Dan Ryan in Chicago, right? And so there's things like that. If the system hasn't seen before, Right. Uh, how does it know what to do? Uh, and yeah. so our view is that you can't get to those things by driving, like, a, a short segment of road. You've got to have really broad deployment, right? And so there's, we see this. The, the list is, is, is quite long, right? We've seen things like, you know, wind turbine blades, right? You might never have had a wind turbine blade traveling down the highway in some region um, until it may not have happened in the history of the highway that you're on. Uh, until maybe next week someone starts building a wind farm and you have these turbine blades that are much longer than regular trucks different shapes and you've got to know how to handle those and so we view uh getting technology out there uh and getting broad exposure is really cool to building the 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 capabilities you need to get to full level four
0: yeah you also have a lot of things like wildlife and pedestrians that you know where i live in the country and Uh uh, a wooded area and mountain terrain and deer are always running out in front of my car and the problem is you can't see them because they're hiding literally in the woods and they just you know they take off because they get scared i'm curious how do you handle those situations you know when you think about autonomous there's the uh, long haul Interstate highways where you you basically have a closed loop. It's it's a controlled environment much more so than uh, You know out in the country or in a rural area Do we are we going to see autonomous point-to-point? highway miles Before we see autonomous That's in these rural areas. Is that your expectation?
1: I think so. I mean, I think that that we'll see it first in those in those slightly more controlled environments um, which are, are the, those major divided highway segments. Um, I think even there though, it, it's important to keep in mind that, that um, it, while they're relatively controlled, there's still just a lot of things that can happen out there. And so that's why we think it's so critical you actually get broad exposure. Uh, and we also think that this is then with the approach we're taking, you know, we can deliver real value to, to customers, right? This is something that's is improving safety, fuel efficiency and the driver experience. Uh, and then as you start to see the fully autonomous within within some of these more controlled segments, we think that, again, is just going to benefit the whole industry because that's something that um, with that added efficiency, we'll see probably some transition of, of freight from air and rail and to, and to trucking. Uh, and so we think it will grow the overall market even further.
0: So Your expectation is that with autonomous, that it makes uh, alternative uh, forms of transportation air uh, less attractive simply because the trucks can go longer, or what's the view? How, how do you it's, think uh, of, of it replacing different modes so of again, traffic?
1: Not necessarily replacing, but it will shift somewhat the balance of, of trade, perhaps, right? Because if you compare it to air or rail, right, with if you have autonomous trucks in some of those long haul segments, you can actually um, reduce the cost and reduce the time to actually move freight. And so, so we think that as that that, uh, that some of those backhaul segments are, are autonomous, you'll actually uh, benefit a lot of the regional and local markets as the freight is moving through that way. But to get there, right, the, the key thing is, is to, to actually get things out and prove that all this stuff works in real products.
0: Sean, you guys will have 1,500 trucks on the road in China uh, sometime next year is your expectation or plans. Uh, when will we start seeing trucks here in the domestic U.S. market? When can uh, manufacturers uh, potentially uh, put this technology inside the vehicles that they are producing here in the United States?
1: You know, so we're taking we're we're excited, of course, about our initial launch uh, in China next year, but we're taking sort of a global view to this. Uh, and so, you know, we are we are working with, with partners here in the U.S. And we're also taking a broader view of other places around the world. Uh, and so this is something that that we hope to bring to market in a number of different markets in the coming years.
0: So if you're in the trucking industry and you're mm-hmm. thinking about the future, when is your expectation that level five, you know not requiring a a human driver to be in the cab, when is your expectation that we'll start seeing successful implementation from point to point?
1: So, so we're focused on on, on level four, which is uh, enabling drive. So that, that's also without a driver in the cab, but for very specific operating domains and specific routes. Uh, and so we think that that timeline uh, to get to level four is probably around 2024. Um, in terms of, of level five which, is, five, which is usually defined as sort of being able to operate anywhere, I think that will, that's probably a long ways out. It's hard for me to put a time estimate on that. Um, I think driving trucks in, in urban environments is a, is a really complex problem. Uh, and so we think that the, the place where this technology brings the most value and where it will see first sort of commercial exposure is kind of the level four highway segment.
0: And, and we think about uh, just in terms of what you guys are doing what have you learned from actually these pilots that you've done these these environments that you roll out what what have you learned to date
1: I mean, so we we've learned a, a lot across um, you know in, in terms of developing the technology and figuring out how how it's going to work we've learned you know a tremendous amount across all different areas of the stack um, I think one a couple of the 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 most important learnings is I think is that it's really gonna require extensive testing to, to be able to, to get it to the level where you can operate without a driver in. And then the second thing I think we've learned is working with um, some, some, some big partners, uh, for example, FAW uh, in China, right? we've learned a lot about what it takes to, to take uh, the sort, sort of core technology from a demo and, and get it robust enough to be deployed in a full product. So we spent a lot of the last year, for example, just really focusing on, on software optimization and robustness, uh, because as you go from those initial sort of pilots and demos to real products, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to make sure that everything is really robust uh, and really reliable and really secure.
0: Sean, what, is the, what, what does it take to get from here to next year for you guys? You've got capital. You guys have raised a a large round of capital. Uh, I assume that you've got funding to to get it into production. You've got this agreement with this Chinese manufacturer uh, to to put the trucks on the road. What is what is next in terms of what you guys need to do to execute your business plan?
1: I mean, so so a lot of this next phase is really just on on execution and scaling up the deployment of these types of, of products. Uh, so so we think you know, uh, it's going to be really excited to get these initial products on the road. Uh, and then we think that there's still a lot of work to be done as you can as we continue to scale up that deployment. Uh, and so some of that comes with scaling up our infrastructure, come with, some of that comes up with scaling different parts of our operations. Uh, but there's just a lot of scaling and growth to be done to really prove out the safety and reliability of, of the technology.
0: How do we get, this is something that I, I understand the technology, and I am a technology optimist and believer that Technology will ultimately Mm -hmm. get us there. But the thing that I still struggle with when it comes to point to point autonomous is the regulatory environment and the fact that the regulators have have to develop structure that enables this technology to thrive. What are your thoughts on the regulatory elements? Is that does that when, when you guys talk to investors or stakeholders, is that a topic of concern? Is there anything that you know, our audience uh, can can think about or do to help promote these technologies, but do it in a way that, that certainly encourages uh, responsible and sustainable outcomes?
1: Yeah, I mean, so that regulatory is certainly a really important aspect here. Um, and so I think that, that, that when it comes to regulatory, there's a lot of things that need to be worked out um, before you can get to actually having fully driverless trucks on the road. Um, but what we've seen from from regulators is that in general, um, there's a lot of support because of the, the the safety aspects of this technology and the benefits that it can bring there. Um, and so there are a lot of things to be solved, a lot of things to be worked out. Um, but we're quite optimistic on that because we think that that from a alignment of interest, everybody's really eager to see you know the types of benefits this technology can bring.
0: So Sean, in terms of your expectations of what this looks like, so 2024, here in the United States, we'll have uh, level four autonomous trucks uh, here, we'll be able to do driverless uh, pickup and delivery, at least at some level. When are we going to start looking at a real sort of inflection curve where uh, autonomous vehicles uh, come to a point where uh, it's not unusual to see one on the road where there, the vast majority of the installed fleet here in the U.S. is actually uh, autonomous or some level thereof autonomous.
1: I, I mean, I think that's a, a while off, right? I mean, trucking is such a massive market. And I think the initial deployment of these technologies in full level four mode will be in, in constrained ODDs. So I think it will be a, a very gradual, long term process as uh, as these technologies really demonstrate their ability to operate safely within those limited domains and then gradually grow those over time. Um, so we see that as kind of a long-term, uh, a long-term event.
0: Well, Sean, thank you so much for giving us the overview of PLUS. It's an interesting uh, opportunity. It's, it's certainly a massive uh, uh, opportunity for innovation. It could solve a lot of issues around safety. It could solve a lot of issues around emissions and certainly can improve uh, a lot of how our economy and society operates. I think a lot of folks in the industry are optimistic about what autonomous vehicles can do, uh, and hopefully the technology can be proven to a point where we can start seeing them on the road. So best of luck in your journey uh, and the journey of PLUS. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Sean. Thank you.